Well, hello, hello, and welcome to yet another exciting episode of Skeptics and Seekers. I'm your host, David. Skeptic. David the Skeptic, and um, we're just going to motor on because I'm a professional. Um, so, um, okay. oh, God. Um, I hate whoever's done this. I, I hate you so hard. Um, we are doing our finale of um of the uh show uh i guess informally titled uh why i wouldn't worship i think the blog post is why worship doesn't work for me uh we've got four shows uh different interviews with uh, skeptics on this very question each skeptic has answered uh some variation of no, they wouldn't worship. Although some have tried to cheat by saying yes, they would worship, but wouldn't question further. It was really a no when it came right down to it. Um, everyone kind of had a slightly different take uh, and a slightly different answer. Uh, Christians, of course, have a problem with all of our takes and our answers. Uh, we will give them a chance to uh, interrogate us further and tell us why all of our assumptions and reasons are wrong and why they wish that there was a hell for us to burn in. Uh, so before we uh, give it over to them to, uh, to do that, uh, let's just go ahead and uh, Sarah, uh, Sarah, you and I are the only ones who have done uh, shows to this point and i hate to give you the mic first because i could see the train going off the track super early and never getting back on but if you would maybe just go over you know take a minute or two to express why uh you wouldn't worship or at least the the worship that you would be willing to do that i don't call worship at all Oh, yeah. Okay. So yesterday we uh, spent time, well, I, I defined it as any, uh, you, it doesn't have to just be singing and praising and things like that. It's whenever you show reverence to somebody. So I'm quite happy to give, you know, a deity a high five and, and say, you're the big, big guy here. There's no problem with that. So if that's worship, that's, that's fair enough. Um, I can't remember what my other points were, but, um, and that it may serve a purpose is what I, I said for humans in terms of taking um, the focus off us and to something and putting it on something other than ourselves, whether that's a higher being or just thinking about others. Um, I can see that if you worship yourself, it's probably not, not a good thing. Um, so I was actually a bit torn as to whether I would be worshipping or wouldn't be worshipping. The kind of old version of God that I believed in, probably not anymore. But um, uh, I also thought it would be something that came out, that, that arose naturally and, and not something you can compel out of people. So um, that was pretty much my two cents worth yesterday amongst a lot of Chinese beers. Yeah, and uh, let's be clear. Uh... Sarah's clearest, defi Sarah's clearest <laughs> definition of worship was cacking one's pants. So um, there's that. Uh, me. If you're if if you're faced with a you know the god of the creator of all things, then I think it's mm -hmm. the only sensible thing is to cack, cack your pants. Plus, it would actually be involuntary. So, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> it would be very this is, this is the level, guys. This is the level which we were discussing yesterday. You really need so. to listen to Sarah's interview if you want to get the full context. I assure you, like uh, so many Christians, when they quote the Bible, the full context is not going to make it any different. <laughs> so, but feel free to listen to it. I apologize for my part so in putting that podcast out. Also, I loved every minute of it. <laughs> um, me, um, I have not, in fact, given a proper answer except what I have uh, written on the blog. Uh, so there is a blog post uh, laying this out for those who like to read very long explanations. This one isn't actually very long. It's about 1,500 words, something like that. Um, you can find it at skepticsandseekers.squarespace.com, skepticsandseekers.squarespace.com. You can email me directly, skepticsandseekers, at gmail.com. Uh, I read uh, all the emails. You can leave a comment if you go to skepticsandseekers.squarespace.com. Just log into your Discuss account, and uh, I read all the comments that uh, show up on the board. Uh, I think that... Uh, Probably a couple of reasons, though, that I can give in, in short form. Uh, worship cannot be commanded. Uh, you can command someone to go through motions, go through ritual, but you cannot command someone to truly worship from the heart any more than you can command someone to love you. And so the moment worship becomes a command, it pretty much guarantees that what comes back is not going to actually be worship. And so I do see worship as being commanded by God, and therefore he is utterly disqualified <laughs> uh, for the thing. I don't, I don't see how it could be done under, um, under command. Uh, the second uh, part for me, well, in fact, I'll, uh, since the second part for me kind of comes with Andrew's answer, I'll try to um, try to summarize his answer. It would probably be more along the arguments of uh, an evil God um, objection. Uh, he does not see this God as being worthy of worship. Uh, and I think that that is a fair objection. Whether, whether God is actually evil or not, you can't simply ignore how a person feels about the God, what they think about the God. So let's say the God is good, but you think God is evil. Well, you cannot and should not worship someone you think is evil. Your, your opinion of that has to be taken into account. And God, if he wants you to worship him, has to overcome that objection for you. Otherwise, it's impossible. You, you can't do it and you shouldn't do it. So I, I do think that that is a valid argument if uh, the image that you have of the God you're supposed to worship is that he is um, immoral and monstrous. Uh, you've got to correct that inch image uh, before you can get about the business of discussing uh, worship. Matthew uh, had uh, some good uh, conversation all around. I'm trying to distill his answer into a summary and it's and it's kind of hard to do i'm i'm i might come back um as i think a little bit more about uh what matthew had to say um and brian i am hoping will actually show up 
uh, on the podcast. Uh, so we will, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to withhold those for a little bit. And the one we have not heard from yet is Darren. And so even though I said that I'm going to throw this over to, um, uh, the Christians for interrogation before we do that, I would like to just do a very small interrogation of Darren and get his views. And the reason that Darren is different uh, from the rest of us is the rest of us skeptics have been Christians. Uh, we've, we've been in the church, uh, some of us for a long time, a major portion of our lives, uh, very seriously involved. Darren is not an ex-gen though. Darren is a never been. And so he's going to have a very different perspective on the idea of worshiping a deity and why he wouldn't worship perhaps than we would. And so I'm going to get to that uh, in just uh, a moment. Uh, it looks like Teddy will not be joining us uh, right away. Uh, just looking into the email. She might she might show up later or she might just chicken out altogether. Um, we'll see. She'll never listen to this show anyway, so I, I don't care. Um, <laughs> so, Darren, I have asked everyone a variation of um, this question. And I'm, I'm just going to ask you directly rather than giving it any nuance, because I think that you have... Uh, I, th I think that your I'm more interested in your perspective uh, than anything else. And so just coming straight at it, if the God of the Bible, and by the way, God of the Bible as defined by um, Teddy. Um, so that's, that's a pretty straightforward uh, God view. I, I almost said Dale, but that's that's a little bit more complicated of a God view. Teddy's God view is a lot more accessible, I think. So if, if Teddy's God turned out to be real, and he was real in a way that you know he is real, so we can't equivocate on you know whether you really know it, whether you're confident about it. No, skip past all of that. You, you're as confident about it as you need to be would you worship that god and seeing that the answer is probably going to be no why not well i love to disappoint but actually it would be a yes i have absolutely no re no interest in being tortured for all eternity and teddy's god is definitely a torture you for all eternity for not worshiping type of god um now dale's god is just logically impossible so it'd be kind of hard to worship that one but um uh, but yeah, Teddy's God is a definitely definite yes for me. Okay. <laughs> In so, fact, all all the evil gods probably would be an, a yes just because they're willing to do lots of nasty things to you. All the good gods would be um, probably a no because um, they just wouldn't ask it of you. I mean, if they're asking of it of it of you, then they're just not a good god. Um. At best, they're a sociopath. At worst, they're going to be a psychopath. So, okay. So we've got a, a an evil god type objection. Uh, I would say though that even though I appreciate your answer, uh, I dispute it. Uh, I think that you would go through the motions, but I would say that uh, theologically speaking, the motions is not worship. Um, god well, rejects I... the motions. Um, 
if he, the god is the god he calls for the heart a true broken and contrite heart not sacrifices well if the god is willing to torture you for not worshiping him i'm guessing he doesn't really care about your heart and we're talking about teddy's god here not a yes. god that really cares about your heart okay so okay i'll uh i'll leave that for now i i object to your answer i i don't call it worship i call it going through the motions and i do think that there are enough christians who have expressed god views and i think that even teddy would express this god view too that god does care about your heart but to express this maybe in a way that we could agree on the question um remove worship from the question and substitute love would you love that god oh no right and i, I don't i don't think that you can actually do worship without love well you can uh the god could make you love fairly easily it's just a matter of adding a little bit of dopamine into your brain um and that's easy would be easy enough for a god to do but um as far as whether i would love any god probably not not unless they wanted to play video games with me and we got to know each other okay um i hope that we get a chance to talk about love today uh after the Christians are done with us, maybe they'll allow us to ask them a few <laughs> questions that uh, we have. But I'm, I'm going to let that stand. Uh, Russell and Caleb, uh, you have a little bit of the lay of the land. Um, where are we wrong? Why, why are we wrong not to want to worship this God? Caleb, I'll give you the first go ahead if you'd like. All right. I saw yeah. you uh, over there stewing. So yeah, I've been stewing for a while on this. Um, I, I guess the first issue we really need to kind of get leveled out is is what exactly do you mean by worship? Because if our definitions are different, then we're going to be approaching this from different angles anyway. So how exactly would you define this, David? Okay. Um... I was actually hoping the Christians would define it so that we could be on in a better footing. Because if you tell us what worship is, what it is we're supposed to be doing, then we can answer more directly as to whether we would do that thing or not. So on each of these um, interviews, uh, I did uh, ask everyone what they thought worship was. And, and they, they had, there were some different answers. Uh, it wasn't all the same answer. I I kind of dodged the question uh, when I answered it by simply saying, worship is what you think it is. I don't think that worship is that complicated of an idea. I don't think it's that nuanced of an idea. Uh, it's not an academic idea. I think it's pretty meat and potatoes, uh, a pretty meat and potatoes kind of word. And when people hear it, they know exactly what it is and what it means. So I don't think that it means anything more than what people think it obviously means. And I don't think it means any less than what people think it obviously means. In a Christian context, worship is something special uh, that is 
relegate it to their God. Uh, for instance, um, a Christian wouldn't worship some other God, uh, even if some other God existed. Uh, they wouldn't worship. Um, they might give that other God some measure of respect, but they wouldn't worship it. So we wouldn't call it respect. Um, I don't know. They might find another God lovable, uh, but they wouldn't worship it. So we can't call it love. Um, they're being chastised every Sunday for worshiping mammon. Right. Um, yeah. So, you know, that you're not that... supposed to, that that's become a priority and that you're, you're giving it too much reverence and attention. So I think that Christians do and they try not to. That's the point. Yeah. I don't, I don't reverence anyone or anything. Um, and I think that worship has something to do with reverence. I don't put people on pedestals that are, that are too high. I mean, I'm a Tom Brady fan. Eat it, New York, um, Boston, Brady. Anyway, um, that's uh, yeah. I but I don't worship him. <laughs> I don't come anywhere close to worshiping. I think he's the greatest of all time. Uh, but I don't. No, worship but it was him. what we were saying about talents, time, and what was the other one? Talents, time, time and... talent, and treasure. And treasure, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if you're you, putting you're that into right something, <laughs> time, talents, and treasure. Well, if you're putting a lot of time, talents, and treasure into the pursuit of money, then that is becoming your idol and your and what you worship and put priority on and seek after and and desire. So um, I think that's what you you know if you if you if you look for that and you worship that, you will go after it and. A lot of a lot of the timing, I don't think it's a good thing to do, but um, that's what they remind you not to do in church quite often. So right. think... and what Sarah is giving you is kind of a negative view of uh, what of of how the church has described worship in that you shouldn't worship other things, um, you shouldn't put other things as a priority. But I I argued with Ted uh, with Sarah. About that definition uh, yesterday, because we have, yeah. we all have priorities. Uh, not all of them are God. That doesn't mean that we are worshiping uh, simply because our priority at the moment is, you know, getting our kid out of a lake that they're drowning in. Um, that's our priority. Uh, singing songs of praise is not your priority at that time. Are you worshiping your kid at that time? I don't think so. So I, I do think that there is a particular religious connotation uh, to it. I think it is. Uh, uh, very bespoke uh, to a particular God. It is uh, high reverence. Uh, it involves uh, almost a sycophantic praise uh, and a type of uh, devotion that I think is, is very hard to maintain. But all of these things kind of make up this word worship. And once again, at the end of the day, uh, as we're trying to define it, I think it ultimately means what people think it means. Except when I give you a definition and you don't yeah. like it. Except, yeah. except <laughs> Sarah. And, uh, and Sarah. Except my Sarah's definition. Right. I, I'm really wondering what people think worship means. <laughs> Treasuring God above all things is a form of worship. It's not a point in time if a child is drowning. It doesn't mean that you haven't got other things to do. But treasuring God above all things is a form of life 
expression of worship over time and it's it's whether you see that arcing narrative throughout your life as to whether you can say you live day worship full life or not it's not just yeah you can have other priorities at different times that you have to do that doesn't mean you're not you're not worshiping god overall and the reason you've got to accept that definition i I actually think that's a a reasonable definition is because the way uh, she's sitting in that chair she's owning that chair right there look at us we're all like face boss this she's like she's got it to the side there um yeah i mean i i think worship has a very wide definition so i would have we would have to narrow that down i think because you say you know gave us this this quasi definition and and then sarah jumped in with a with, with another one that was even better i think uh and then you're like well it's what most people think it is and i'm just having trouble distinguishing what you mean by that well, being uh, one of the two Christians on the show, what, why don't you tell us what worship is? Because I suspect if we had 10 Christians on the show, we would get 10 definitions of it. Well, the reason I have to ask you this, David, is because you're the one that has titled the show and went through four separate interviews with a definition in hand. So that's what we're trying to get to first so we can kind of, okay, well, this is what we think. And I, right, I mean, but I, I just I just gave you that, and I can keep talking the, for another thirty minutes, can, but it, it wouldn't be different. Even Darren was like, "I will worship a god out of self preservation," and you know there there can be a sort of worship in that, you know. So, but biblically, spe- theologically speaking, there isn't. So, okay, so when you, when you say that, that worship is. is an activity devoid of heart, then you're you're. You may be speaking generically in some way, but you're not speaking theologically. No, no Christian should accept that definition of worship. And, and the ones who do don't know their Bible very well, and they don't know the God that they claim to worship. Okay, Caleb, what do you think here? What, what is well, first of all, here? I think that you need to turn your mic up, Russell. I, oh, that, I'm having a hard time hearing you. Yeah. All right. Hold on. How about now? It may be a little bit better, but uh, yeah, go, go ahead and goose it. You got you got plenty of headroom. All right. Well, you know, so it, uh, yeah, Caleb, go ahead. I just bumped it up as loud as I can. Yeah, you're you're good. It, you're, it's much better when you're closer to it like that. When you were leaning yeah. back, it was very hard to hear you. All right. Yeah. So we're we're getting in here on definitions a little bit, and I would say that my definition of worship is is probably it it encompasses a lot of the things we've talked about but it's it's the bowing the knee before a a ruler i i if if i bow down before a ruler then my actions following that have to be consistent with that if my actions are inconsistent with the fact that i have given my dedication to a given ruler so thinking of it in kind of you know old world terms if i bow down before this king and i go do something for another king then i am i am violating that that bowing down or that worship um but it's it's less so in the individual acts i think than it is in the uh, humble submission uh, before whatever it may be, whether that's a given ruler, whether that's myself, uh, my own priorities, 
does does that line up because you you keep saying that worship is what it is but does that line up with with how you view worship david yes i think that is a an excellent definition i think that's a the better of the definitions that i've heard but that's definitely the sort of thing i'm thinking about it is the the bending of the knee and the will uh so it's not just the knee you know it's 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 total submission to another because that person is so much greater. And I don't buy any of those things, <laughs> which is, you know, it kind of makes it a little bit hard for me to worship. I, for instance, I wouldn't, I don't bend the knee to humans. However, if there was someone, uh, you know, I use this example quite a bit, if America you know, lost a war uh, to someone we thought was evil, but uh, now they're in charge uh, and they say, bend the knee or not, or die. I'm bending the knee. I'm bending both knees. I have no problem with that. But, but I have no do submission. that on a cosmic scale. Well, but the, no, no, no. I would do that on a cosmic scale too, but I would not have any actual submission to that person. I would physically go through ritual that was empty but worship is not just the knee it's also the will it's the heart and that's what i couldn't do and and without that the knee is meaningless it's it's you know so what but it's that it's that priority again isn't it if you say you love your husband or spouse or or whatever there's there are times when you're not going to feel and want to do certain things uh, like go and pick them up from the train station, but you'll go and do it anyway because you know that that's what you kind of signed up for. So it's a bit like you might not want to worship God all the time, but you might do it because you've made that commitment. That made no sense to anybody then. <laughs> no, no, I agree. I think there's there's levels of... Uh, worship if you will so if you have worship of a supreme deity this is this is different than the level of worship you would give to a individual on on earth i say worship because i i think we could separate it out into different terms for each of those kind of levels um but in in essence if you really put them all together they are all worship on some level so yeah I, I agree with what you said there well it's about this priority thing is is what i wanted to link it back to you it's your number one priority to you know be good in your marriage so you go and pick up your husband even though you don't want to be doing it at that time and it's not heartfelt and you you know you, you may be even a little bit grumbly about it but so but it's still putting them first so in some ways you're respecting them and worshiping them if you like um and that's how I, I view the, the word worship a bit more than, than just singing praises and adoration, though that must be one aspect of it. That's where you have to have the heart bit that feels it a bit more. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think there has to be that other aspect to it. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a wide chasm when we, when we look at this, a wide range of options when it comes to worship. It's not just one thing it's it's a multitude of things into one 
So you have acts of service, uh, serving somebody as an act of worship to God. Uh, you could be doing it because you're, you know, you want to be like God. You know, so there, there's just, <laughs> there's a lot of things you're doing out of, and I, I do think David's right on the aspect that there's love involved because love is a, a big motivator for it. So I, I do think that that's also encompasses this uh, form of worship that I would have to uh, say is, is part of the definition. Yeah, so let me, let me just read this um, bit, of, bit of Bible, and uh, Christians can go ahead and call this your, your weekly Bible reading. Um, Psalm 51, and, and I'll just read a couple of verses here. Uh, Certainly you do not want a sacrifice or else I would offer it. You do not desire burnt offerings uh, or burnt sacrifices. The sacrifice God desires is a humble spirit. Oh God, a humble and repentant heart you will not reject. Um, this is this is worship. And uh, once again, if all you show up to the party with is bowing and scraping, you, you haven't worshiped. You know, you, you can show up with a um, goat to put on the altar. You haven't worshipped. Um, the God of this Bible that we're talking about cares about the condition of your heart. And so if you're defining worship in some way, that allows you to do that without your heart being involved you are not talking about any worship that i was familiar with as a christian and that i accept now however if your question is if your definition simply is would you go through the motions sure no problem but i don't i don't actually think that's what christians are talking about so what you're saying is that you could go through any any motions if you knew the God of the Bible was real. You could go through whatever motions you had to to give the impression of worship, but you can't be in a place where uh, your heart is really in it. Is is that what you're saying? That is what I'm saying, and I uh, I could be wrong. It could be that that situation comes up and my heart is overwhelmed with genuine worship. I don't know. But answering it right now, today, knowing the condition of my heart and mind and what I believe to be the case about this God that Christians say is real, I don't believe that I could. Okay, so if we were to set that aside for a minute, and let's say God is is made in David Johnson's image. I so, definitely couldn't worship him then. <laughs> you, you, you couldn't. You, no. you couldn't worship a God made in your own image. So Absolutely with the only not <laughs> with the own with the same kind of priorities, the same kind of goals, the same kind of morals that that you have, even if that God was a replica of you, you would not worship him. No, I don't I don't know who the comedian was who said it, but it's uh, actually very uh, a very interesting thought experiment. I wouldn't join a club that allowed people like me in it. 
<laughs> so, um, no, I definitely not would not worship a God uh, who looked exactly like me. First of all, I don't need such a God. I'm here. Here I am. Why do I? Why would I even need to externalize me to worship? Uh, furthermore, I don't worship me, so I don't see why I would worship another person who is like me. Uh, so yeah, no, you've you've actually made it a less interesting question for me by putting it that way. Because um, if, if I were be... going to worship that kind of God, I would just worship myself, and I don't. And yeah. And a god needs to be at least one up from from us. Otherwise, what's the point? That's not a god. Why would you worship it? There's no I don't know. I'd be, I'd be perfectly happy worshiping myself. <laughs> do, do you worship yourself now? Well, I have respect. I give myself time and priority. So I meet most of the definitions of worships that have been um, put forth. I love do myself. You, do you ever put anyone <laughs> above yourself? Sometimes. Uh, then you're not much of a god. <laughs> Sorry, you're you're already disqualified because well, no the... one is above God. <laughs> well, that's just the definition of love, though, right? You're putting other people above yourself. I mean, isn't that if God was actually loving, wouldn't that be what He did instead of demanding everyone worship Him and be under Him? You see, I don't know. I I don't. I feel uncomfortable making the rules for worship because what I know of worship is you know theologically speaking i think a, a fairly correct view from a christian perspective i think it's i think it's obscene uh i don't want worship when it has been offered to me uh and i don't want to give it to anybody i find the whole enterprise extremely uncomfortable and unnatural why don't the christians tell us why they worship well, no. Okay. Yes. I definitely want to hear that, but I, I'm still curious about, I mean, are you satisfied definitionally? Um, do, do you, do we have some agreement that worship also involves the heart? It's, it's not just a series of activities and rituals. Yeah. I, I can agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. Caleb. Yeah. Yeah. I'm okay. on board with that. And so then it really becomes a question since I could go through the, the activities and rituals and Darren has said that he could go through the activities and rituals and Sarah would actually have the hardest time <laughs> going through the activities and rituals because she would never sing. She would lip sync and I'd try to get away with that. Um, but um, most of us would go through the activities and rituals. Then I think the real problem is uh, what would it take to move our hearts in in the place where it would need to be and that's a that's a really tough and interesting question but i don't think that we can be dinged for the condition of our heart you know you can say that you know you formed you formed an arranged marriage uh for me let's pretend that i was married and you know the only thing that i have to do is love the person that you've arranged well, I don't love the person that you've arranged. I don't even know them. How am I supposed to like? It takes time to actually fall in love with a person. Um, and you're saying that a prerequisite to the marriage is you've got to love them. Well, that's impossible and absurd. And that's what it sounds like when Christians say, well, you've got to worship God from the heart. I don't even know him. I don't know the guy. 
Uh, and so in our in our hypothetical situation, he uh, we learn that he's real. Maybe he appears to us. Well, his appearing to us doesn't mean that we know him. And so we still have no foundation on which to love and worship even at that point. Does that make sense? Except that worship is also de defined as the act of communing with God. So you would worship to get to know God. Oh, you're getting to know me. Are you worshiping me? Uh, no, no, but, uh, Christian, no, but I reject yeah. it. Right. But if God actually shows up, the problem you're working with right now is that you're working from a paradigm where God just never shows up. But if in well, our hypothetical, if in your hypothetical, God actually is showing up. So you actually would be able to form a real relationship with him. Right. But we would have to form the relationship. So if he shows up and says, I need you to worship me, I can't do it. Well, what so, if he says you need to worship him after knowing him for like 50 years? Uh, then we can then we can talk about that. We'll have to see how that relationship goes after 50 years. Right. Because okay. I might because we could get to know him and not like him. Right. I mean, that's a possibility. And if, if what you're saying is you need a pre-commitment from us that we would definitely worship him, then I think that you're asking for something that is is not sensible. I think I would actually agree with that. I think that would be uh, nonsensical to ask that because I think I think there's two very different definitions of love too that we need to flesh out. You have Disney love, which you know is spontaneous, you know, love at first sight kind of love uh, that you're obviously not going to have in an arranged marriage or that sort of thing usually. Um, however, you also have this other definition of love, which is much more what I would define it as, which is a series of consecutive choices that move you closer to someone. It's, it's acting in a way that is beneficial to them and in a way that is selfless instead of selfish. So I, I think those are two very different types of love and, it seems like we might be conflating the two here because I, I agree. I, I think that the Christian's journey is one that is, is constantly evolving and hopefully bringing them closer to God versus one where it's like, I just love God just because, uh, you know, there's nobody else for me to love. So, um, yeah, I'd let me to respond to that real quick, because I, I, I think that's a very insightful um, comment. But now you mentioned Disney love, and I would like to cite uh, a different version of Disney love, Beauty and the Beast love. Uh, so Beauty and the Beast is a um, scenario where a woman is captured and held prisoner um and you know by the beast stockholm syndrome yes and so she he needs her to fall in love with him <laughs> and he he won't let her go because he has a particular need and he's got to do it and so this story kind of works out where she does fall in love with him but one should actually cringe 
at the Beauty and the Beast scenario. Um, one should not applaud that. And as much as I say that, I really loved the the latest um, the live action uh, Beauty and the Beast. Uh, it was it was fantastic. It was well told. That said, it that very the very aspect of it, the very theme of the movie should make one shudder um, with with discomfort. And that feels like the Christian relationship to God. So uh, it's it's where you are told that, hey, there is this God and he has offered a marriage proposal to you. And by the way, if you don't accept it, uh, there will be some version of hell, whatever that is, annihilation, burning in fire, somewhere in between. Um, and so uh, now you have to love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Go. And uh, the Christian is like, well, uh, okay. <laughs> okay, I love you. <laughs> um, and they, uh, you know, there may be some fake it to you, make it aspect there. That may be some, but it's, it's still kind of gun to the head. Uh, I'm going to put you in this room uh, until you love me and i'm going to put myself in situations and try to hack my brain so that i can love you and that seems to be a little bit warped to me if if god was introduced to me in a slightly different way without some uh threat of of torture or or punishment uh and just wanted to get to know me and let the relationship go where it went i'm open to that uh, and and it might end up being a very strong love relationship, or it might be a hate relationship. I don't know. I can't prejudge it. But I'm certainly open to a real relationship. I'm not open to the idea of we're all thrown in this cage and we're told to love God or die. Yeah, yeah, I mean... I would have to agree with most of that. I think uh, I don't have a problem with it on that. And, and you're right. I mean, some Christians do view it that way. Um, and I, mean, I don't think I do. <laughs> uh, I think it's more like, you know, there's this, uh, I do believe there's a, a loving relationship that comes from knowing God and, and you do draw closer to God as you go. And that's even couples with sanctification and so forth and stuff like that so i i, I wouldn't it, it's it's kind of dynamic it's not just formal in its practice so i i would have to say that there's a dynamic aspect to being a christian and unfortunately um some people don't view it that way but uh, i mean i do and that's how i try to live my life and i try to reflect it the best way i can do you get okay. anything out of worship you find it helpful i do i do i think there's there's you know uh i believe in a growing relationship with god i get closer to him as as i do um i believe that there's uh like, like what does that mean aspect that he makes me a better person inside and so forth but yeah i mean what what else would you like what would you want me to piggyback off of to say more on what would you like me to expound on 
Well, just well, what what does it serve? What purpose does it serve? Why well, why do you do it? How, is, how do you mean draw closer to you? I mean, you know, yeah, most of worship it's, songs it's are just boring. being yeah. It, it's, it, well, it's just reminding you how big he is, how great he is, how this he is, how that is, and it's like, oh no, I did that week one. Yeah, <laughs> and it, just yeah. keep. Well, you know, there's there's a lot that you can you can you can get illumination for, right? So, I mean. You look at these big aspects, but a as you're doing it more and as you're walking in your Christian life, there's more illumination. You you know you get you get to know more of his character, whether through stories or whether through uh, uh, reading uh, the Bible through the stories that I was just mentioning. Sorry, I might be getting low again. Uh, but the uh, the idea of, of illumination, getting closer to God, drawing, making yourself better, you know. Um, giving him the credit he's due because he is God. I think that there is that aspect as well um, in worship. So, yeah, I think there's a lot you can gain out of it by uh, simply just communing with God. And, you know, there's, there's ways you can commune that aren't maybe communicated, you know, it's not like verbal, you know, I, how I do you commune with place. God in a, you know, I think it's, I think it's wrong to say that, uh, communication is the only way to commune i don't think that's the case well but how do you how do you commune isn't isn't communing with someone a two-way thing so you know i if i if i said i had a, an invisible friend um you know i don't i don't know that it could be properly said that i commune with them i i may talk to them and i may think thoughts at them but at some point communion is a two-way thing uh and so I, I take it that there's some kind of mystical aspect that the christian gets from worship that one would not get just by going through the emotions yeah um i was looking at wind at the door not too long ago and i was also looking at uh um till we have faces by c.s lewis and you know they they do a lot with communion there's a lot that that is uh integrated there with communion and communications i would refer you to that to just maybe get a sense of you know not just applying our 20th century modes of communication with god and so forth but uh, i think sometimes silence speaks louder than words um and i think sometimes stories have the ability to mediate a presence so i think we have to break that down and have to look at the different forms of communion that that are possible and i think there is way more than just one mode so did, has god communicated verbally with some people in the past i believe he has um i believe jesus came to earth and i believe he he was god he showed up and people hated him for it so i mean <laughs> i think that that was that was uh, a way he com communicated with us as well. So now I think there's the Holy Spirit in the Gospels, you know, so. Doesn't the very fact that he showed up and people hated him sort of demonstrate that uh, he's not worthy of worship? No, I think it demonstrates that men love darkness rather than they love light. How does that follow? Well, I mean, that's, I think we, we uh, are selfish people that, are okay, well, but but God, uh, uh, but God comes down as Jesus, and people hate mm -hmm. Jesus. How does it follow that people like darkness better than light from that? 
Well, because I think he is the self personification of God. So I think that. Uh, right. But you're also assuming also that God is good and worthy of worship. I but am. if but I, if I but if we do I'm this experiment where people actually get to know God through Jesus and they don't like him, then doesn't that isn't that evidence that your initial hypothesis that he's worthy of worship is kind of off? No, because I think that men love darkness rather than they love light. I mean, I think that's a. a well, right. But that's more that's. But, more yeah, special that, pleading than anything else because you're no, assuming no, your conclusion well are it worse well, there's a lot of assumptions going into this right now this is a hypothetical situation so we're, we're looking at uh hypotheticals here if men love say, darkness more the, than light uh, then how does Christian anyone ever come to worship it, how it, does anyone ever come to worship do you know the theology of regeneration and and I, I know many uh, theologies uh, of regeneration that are that are often conflicting. So forth, convenient grace, and so forth. Yeah, I, I think we would be amiss if we don't go through the reasons of how this process takes place. Okay, but you can't you can't not, just throw right? out men love darkness more than light, and but we Christians if, love if light. If we're <laughs> if we're talking from this as God being existent and our theology is true and he's worthy of worship in context to the entire beginning of the day would you worship him if he was actually existed and you're and you're coming at it from the christian perspective at least i know david is uh then yeah i i think i do have the right to say that because well, not really because the, the because it's true right but if you if but you're but that's the question is whether the theology that you're espousing is true the only thing we're assuming is true is that god exists and well, not really. And if Jesus comes down and true. people don't like him, then that no, no, indicates that your true. theology might be off. Yeah, Darren, that's not true, though. I mean, we're talking about the God, and, and David's not letting people equivocate here. He's saying the God that you present, and you guys have presented the Christian model. Uh, not you, Darren. I'm not saying you have. And you have a very valid question if, if that's not the case. However, if that's the case, if this is where David Johnson is coming from and where Sarah may be coming from, I don't know if she is, but uh, if that's where they're coming from, but yeah, I do think I, I'm justified in that. Well, it, to be fair, uh, I've asked the interviewees different questions because they're different people. And so some I have asked them to imagine the best version of the Christian God. Uh, the best version they've heard. Others I've had uh, answer, well, the best version of the Christian God that they can imagine, whether they've heard of him or not. Uh, and then others, a very specific version of the Christian God, because I've tried to get a little bit of variety in the answers to see if it made any difference uh, or not. But I, I actually just want to go back a half step and challenge the notion that God came to earth and people rejected him. Uh, this is a this is a thing that uh, preachers like to say from the pulpit uh, to to try to make a point, but it's a bad point, and I don't I don't think it really holds up. So even if the Christian story is true, Jesus did not come to Earth proclaiming that he was God. Come to Earth that that simply isn't how the uh, story reads. In fact most people he encountered would not have known he was God incarnate. incarnate. And uh, it seems like for a significant portion of his ministry, when he did do something special, he told he uh, gave people orders not to tell anybody. Uh, so that was very secretive. And uh, people did not know 
who he was. So this this is a very different scenario than what we're talking about. We're talking about God coming and actually showing up as God, announcing his God, proving his God in such a way that everybody knows. That's not the story of Jesus. And I don't think that's a fair comparison. Nor did they necessarily not like him. They just found some of the thing what he was saying was challenging and or not in line with their their cultural understanding, like the Pharisees and things. They all they had a different understanding. You can't blame those poor people for thinking a certain way. That was their religion. And so the fact that Jesus said things that upset them is just kind of, well, God needs to deal with that. That's uh, just take it on the chin. That's how people have evolved and operate. And so um, I don't, and it doesn't say they didn't like Jesus. They just, they just found some of what he said a bit, a bit off of what their normal beliefs were. They didn't, they didn't yeah, think that they, Jesus they was God was, any more yeah. than we think Satya Sai Baba is the yeah, reincarnation he of. He claimed to be God, and you know, you, you're looking at this right, from, but they, they, they hated him because he claimed because he was blasphemous. Not because he was God. They didn't hate well, him because he was God. They didn't at, know he was at God. At every point, then I'm not going to be able to give you. A I can barely hear you, honestly. I don't want to interrupt you. It's you can't hear very much. Yeah, you're you're barely coming across. All right. So how about now? That's better. All right. So my my whole thing is, if you're not going to let me answer cogently, you're going to interrupt every time I I try to give an explanation. Well, sure. I can't really, really give you a cogent answer on this. So okay, gonna, so yeah. please please respond that because the scenario that you're that you're saying that that Jesus that God came to earth and we rejected him, I reject because God didn't come to earth in a way that people knew was God. And those people who just thought he was some crazy dude pretending to be God, um, he could have he could have made it very clear to them and he didn't. There were times when he purposely let crowds of people misunderstand what he was saying and misunderstand him without making the correction because he had prejudged that, uh, you know, they weren't they their hearts weren't right anyway. And so this this idea that Jesus did it, that God did come and we rejected God is fallacious. God well, didn't come if he is. came in disguise. I don't think he did. I think that he revealed himself in the appointed time, just like he says in the Gospels. And he, he said, don't tell anybody, but that was until there was an appointed time, and then he revealed himself. He would say before Abraham was, I am. There's no bigger declaration than that. So if Only in John's Gospel. Yeah. If we're going to go off of the Gospels, if we're going to assume the Gospels are legit, I mean, of course, we, that's a whole different argument. But if yeah. we're going off of the Gospels existing and being legit, then we have to take in consideration everything that comes with it. So, yes. Right. And David, David Koresh also said that was he was he was the Christ, the Messiah. Yes, there, there was a, there was a time he didn't reveal himself, but okay. there was a time where he did step and he did reveal himself. But and he didn't he didn't reveal himself in a way that was convincing yeah, to he enough people from the dead. He rose people from the dead. He he calmed storms. He controlled nature. You know, I mean, what other proof do you need if those gospels are legit? Well, the, the other religions have the same stories, though. So it's not like uh, those stories were unique or uh, he was the only one doing it. As far as the old people knew, well, I mean, there were lots what, of people doing stories? the same things. Like what? Like what stories? Apollo. 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 
uh, take any religion, uh, the ancient religions, Rastrian, any of the uh, na uh, Native American ones, any of the Egyptian ones, any of the Greek or Roman India. ones, India, any of those, and you've got all those same stories. So it's not like uh, Jesus was doing unique and okay. special things. Those kind of stories were all over the place. Yeah, but we're not arguing from that point of view. We're arguing from a point of view that he showed up and the Gospels are legit. Okay, so right, but uh, even sure. if yeah. but no, no, if no, there's no, stories all over the place, you're saying okay, that these stories, stories prove that he was uh, uh, was real. But stories are true. We're not assuming those stories are true. We're assuming that the gospels are true. Okay, but even assuming the gospels are true, yes, he didn't he didn't show up. Events, if he's but, actually doing these events in front of people in history, they have a legitimate call. He the no, people, they don't. The people and, in they Israel. Do. The people yes, in Israel did. did not accept him as God. They didn't believe he was they, God. He yeah, clearly they, was not convincing to the people who lived brother. there in that time and place. That so I'm sorry. He, it's not like he showed up as God and they rejected God. They rejected Jesus as a claimant for being God, yeah. but they didn't reject what in their minds was God. And that's what I'm trying to get at. God didn't come in a way that convinced people he was God and then they rejected him. That's not true. That's a, that's a false narrative. I have and, not and, rejected God. I don't think so. But I mean, and and the, the problem is, is did, even if we, we accept the Gospels as being true, that doesn't mean that anyone has a justification for actually believing them, because there were so many other stories of other people doing the same thing. Even if all those other stories are false, they still existed. So people had no way to distinguish a false story from a true story, and that's the problem. It doesn't matter if they're true or not. Well, I mean, part of that comes down to how close they were written to the events they're describing. And, you know, we've got time for legends to develop in a lot of these cases. Like well, we know that legends can develop very quickly. But even if it's right? true, even if it's true, those people would be justified because it's you don't know if they heard other stories. They were witnessing this. So, of course, they could be justified. Well, I mean, not just not everybody witnessed that. In fact, Jesus, when he returned, did. he returned to very few and a very select group, and it seemed like he was more interested in people having faith that he risen rather than having an actual encounter with him. The, but the fact is that those people would the people the few people or however many it was would be justified in believing in who he was. Okay, right. But but the I vast majority I wouldn't be people justified. Aren't. <laughs> right. Even the even the vast majority of people and, and in that and time. What, and what's what's the point there that that they didn't because they rejected him of course that was my whole point they rejected but no 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 but they rejected jesus <laughs> up as they, they rejected, rejected jesus as god they didn't in reject words, god in other words yeah they didn't reject it god it doesn't matter it doesn't really matter because people believe what they want to believe there's Caleb do you at least see the point that i am trying to make if i don't if if you're god Caleb and i reject you and and i don't know that you're god i didn't reject god i rejected you I see the point you're trying to make, but I, I also see what Russell's getting at here. I'm, and I'm not sure I have a better way of explaining it. Aside from the fact that it, I do think Jesus made very clear declarations that equivocated himself with God in so some way. And maybe people, maybe, maybe people understood that, maybe they did not, but he equivocated himself with God, and people did reject that. They rejected that he claimed to be God, I, and, and I think that's what you're trying to get at. 
Yes, they'd rejected um, the claim. Yeah, there are currently like three people that I know of alive today that claim to be Jesus reborn. Do you uh, do you believe them? Well, because no, if I you don't, don't have any I... evidence to support that. Right, right, and, and also the, it doesn't fit with your point. narrative, and it didn't the people fit with in the theirs past didn't have any evidence to that's support that point. claim. That's not the point. If the it's my point. That, the few, if the peop, if the few that were there saw what he was doing, and this was my whole point. We're looking. We're going back to where these people saw this stuff. They would have justification to believe it. Period. Well, yeah, right. the what the handful of people that actually saw it, sure. That but actually, what about yeah, the the, the hundreds of other people that didn't? That's all I was talking about. Yeah, right, well, but you're saying that everyone rejected him. God when they didn't when they no, didn't reject God. They're rejecting the stories that are being told about they, him. They rejected him. And he did miracles in front of the people that did reject him. <laughs> uh, so do you do you think that I have rejected God? Lazarus Lazarus's tomb. You know? do, you, do you think that I have rejected God? Of course. Okay, yeah, so I why have. do you think I have rejected God? I don't know. I'm not in your psyche. No, no, no. I mean, what makes you think that I have rejected God? I don't know. Because to me, I haven't David, rejected God. I really God. don't know. I don't really know. No, no, no. You're, you're, I'm not asking you about my motives. I'm asking why you believe that I have rejected God. I'm telling you I have not rejected God. David, I would like to know your motives before I make No, I'm, I have not rejected God. You yeah, can't, he... you, you're not hearing me. I, do, I have never been introduced to a God to reject. I, I reject I reject your characterization. You, you I reject, reject a lot of the Christian stories, but God has not shown up to me in a way that I could accept or reject him. I have never rejected God. Say the same. Yeah. But you reject worship of any God. Even uh, in my in image. my current in my current state right now, I do. Uh but once again, I can look. But he was also a Christian for a lot of years, so he was willing to worship. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think I worshipped probably uh, what I would consider an idol today, this idea of God that I had. So let's be clear. I, I can tell you what I think I would do now facing the God that Christians describe to me. But I have never encountered this God for myself. So I might become a gibbering idiot at that point. My mind might break into a million pieces. I might become a worshiper of the highest order. I don't know, but I can tell you what I think based on the Christian God that people describe, but I have never had the opportunity to reject God. And, and the fact that Russell believes that I have rejected God suggests that he does not really understand the atheist story at all. All right, you hit me with uh, a question that was kind of like a trip you up question. So you came at me, oh, am, am I rejected God from, from a certain point of view, from, from the theistic outlook that I have and that you've described, then yes, that, that's what I meant. But if you're looking at this from some other point where like, okay, because I don't believe that the real God ever showed up, then of course I'm going to agree with you. Okay, well, that, that's what I've been trying to yell away at you for the last 20 minutes. Yep, and, <laughs> that's the distinction, you that. <laughs> and that's the distinction where we're trying to make when you're saying that, uh, when you said that all the ancient people loved darkness more than they loved God. They never met God. 
they can reject uh, him because they never met him and they didn't believe the stories the about him because that's there were so the many other stories narrative. going around. But that's not the gospel narrative. But that the is the gospel narrative. narrative. Not, the Jews didn't think Jesus was God. The leader, the, the Pharisees didn't think off. he was Every God. Every time I try to give an answer, you cut me off. All right. So, like, are you going to let me answer? Or are you going to cut me off? Well, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> give it a try. We'll <laughs> we'll see how the spirit moves me. Uh, <laughs> Okay. What I was saying is that the Jews did not yes, reject Jesus. They did. They did, they, they did not the accept that, Jesus. The people that that were on in Palm Sunday, laying the palms down, calling him Hosanna, were the same people that crucified him. He did the miracles in front of the Sanhedrin. Uh, the Sanhedrin was at Lazarus's tomb. Okay. Now, will we see the first miracle in Cana? No, people weren't around. That was a story. Why was it a story? Because Jesus said, hey, this is before my time, <laughs> right? But not at the time where he's arguing with the Pharisees and saying, hey, look, I am that I am, and boom, I'm raising people from the dead. I'm walking through crowds. When I say I am he, people fall down. So they're, <laughs> this is, those are the bunch that crucified him. They okay, had lots, of lots of people so, okay, were, were messiahs at that time. There were many, many there false messiahs that, were that came up. speaking and knocking people down or raising people from the tomb or, or doing miracles right in front of their faces that they have pretty much no excuse. That's how the gospel sets these miracles. There were many wonder that workers those... in that time. I'm sorry. There were oh many gosh, miracle okay. workers in that time. Who? Who? Mi who? Do you have any other specific Galilean yes. person? Who? Simon the Sorcerer. Simon the Sorcerer was not uh, uh, during that time. And if, if he was after Christ, well, I think. He, he, by, by a few years, he was, he was, he was definitely during that time. He they wasn't believed actually doing real miracles. They, okay, well, now you're, you're just sorting between real miracles and what people saw as tricks. People well, thought well, that there were sorcery and power it, in men of wonder during that time. Okay, so let, let's go to where Simon the Sorcerer Jesus was one of them. He wasn't the let's only see, one. Let's see where Simon the Sorcerer is. Caleb, do you know that verse? Are, are you familiar with it? Maybe you can Yeah, that's going to be an Acts uh, 13, maybe. Now, doesn't Elijah raise someone from the dead as well? Oh, the Old Testament is full of uh, people with power. And then there were bad guys with power, too, because there were people who could do witchcraft. There was the, uh, there was the one slave girl who uh, could do necromancy. Um, it, the Bible's full of that kind of... This is New Testament, uh, by the way, the, the last one. The Bible's full of that. People uh, Having people that could do things that they considered magic was fairly common. Jesus was not uncommon for that. And he was also not uncommon for people calling him Messiah because there were many messiahs. Um, history is littered with their bones, just like Jesus's bones, I might add. Um, so uh, no, you're not, you're not actually saying anything that would make the Jews of that time say, oh, well, this guy though, he's the real thing. The, he, or he the Jews been... of today, which is another problem, I think. They don't well, even buy it, even even now. They don't but, even so. practice the way Judaism was in the first century, anyway. So okay, but let's not let's not try to throw shade on Jews. I'm not throwing uh, th any shade that's... on anybody. I'm just stating the fact. Okay, well let, let let's not <laughs> let's not say Jews don't even know how to do their own religion. That is that's kind I of an ad hominem. That. 
Uh, no, no, that's that's a David assumption of based on what I said. I said that. Yeah, I, you know, I'm sick and that's tired of Christians saying that's a, mildly anti-Semitic things about Jews and how they worship and what they they it's know how changed, to worship. David. David, their religion has changed. It's a fact. They, yes, they'll tell you that their religion they, they has gone through changes, just like Christianity has gone through changes. So but to say that they're doing it wrong the somehow, you're not I in a position to say that. Wrong. I didn't. Never okay, then don't imply it. They're doing it. I never implied it. You're assuming that I implied it. So all I said was they've changed. What is is wrong with that? Okay, that's not what you said. But, that is what uh, I said. I said the religion has changed since they don't even practice. Well, it's it different. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. all I said. Which is different. quite possible. Well, yeah, you that. said they First, don't even practice their the, own religion. No, they don't and practice that, it the way they did in the first century. It's okay, well, exactly what I said. This right, is the but even the people you have when you jump on to people as they're finishing a sentence. And you right, interrupt it, them with an assumption. Right, but it, the, the point doesn't even really matter because the the, uh, right, the Jews in the first the Jews in the first uh, century didn't uh, um, accept them either, and I'm assuming they practiced their religion the same way they that Jews practiced in the first century. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I agree. They they have practiced the way they they've always practiced in the first century. Uh, since so the majority of people who are around Jesus in his time did not believe he was God. They did not reject God. They were not in their minds if he rejecting was God. God. They did. <laughs> no, but not in their minds. And if he was God and they didn't know he was God, then God should have done a better job uh, at appearing so that they would know it. But for you to say that they rejected that's, God. That's, that's assuming that they would believe anyway. I'm so, sorry. To assume that they were rejecting God, and especially when I hear Christians say specifically that the Jews rejected God, that is very anti-Semitic. I won't stand for it. It's not true. The Jews did not reject God. They rejected the idea that Jesus was God. Well, there were religious leaders within the Jewish community that rejected Jesus, whether it was it was for his blasphemy is pretty clear if you accept the Gospels that it was because of his blasphemy by comparing himself with God that they rejected him. I don't for deny that, that reason. Right. I but they still worship fact, God. You're, you're making you're making my point for me. They thought that it was blasphemy because they didn't think he was God. Now, if they thought he was God and they rejected him anyway, then you could say they rejected God. But the but Jews, the but the Jews time, weren't some evil satanic cult who were going against God. That is not what they were doing. They were trying to uphold what they understood as good worship for God. Right, right. No, I, I agree with that. But there were also everyone that or most of the people at least in the early part of jesus's ministry that accept him were also jews jesus himself was a jew right yes, but most you, of the people had that different accepted, sects of jews right but the very first most of the very first christians were actually gentiles rather than jews the um because Paul uh, Paul spread the religion through the gentile community not the jewish one and jews still worship god so That's you can't say true. that they, I mean, they that, you can't that, say they rejected God and that while they're still worshiping God. I mean, that's yeah, just logically if, impossible. If, if you're looking at, at Paul's letters, they're written to Jewish believers. Uh, Romans, for example, is all about Gentile inclusion, not just no, no. There's the, the early church was heavily Jewish. I mean, you had branches break off even from that. So, I mean, 
if you if you look at the at the heat map of how Christianity spread, it spread through the Gentile lands, not through the Jewish yeah, lands. Yeah, but the, the they they targeted Jewish synagogues throughout the ancient world, and they were all over the place. The Jews were in Rome. The Jews were all over Thessalonica. Yeah, but they but uh, they, they were, were a Macedonia. very very small portion of the population. In order to get that kind of growth, you needed to have Gentiles. You couldn't do it with just the Jews. Well, well, I'm saying Gentiles were included, obviously, but you're saying the the first believers were mostly Gentiles. I'm saying no, not at first. I mean, yeah, if you look no, at if you yeah. look at the population, at the, you're the, historically the first, wrong, Russell. I'm sorry. It's it's a little first bit like few thousand uh, believers that came in Acts were were Hellenized Jews. Yeah, so, you're. I mean, you're, it's, not, it's not historically. That's a historical fact. It was birth right, but you're still you're still. Inaccurate. Let me explain why uh, with a, with an analogy. Analogies tend to go south on me, but I'm going to give it a try. Um, does everyone on the panel and in the audience uh, remember the original iPod uh, put out by Apple, the original Apple iPod? Um, I had one of those, ClickWheel. Um, it was a, an MP3 device. Yes. At any rate, uh, it became one of the most successful consumer uh, electronic devices of all time. And it started out as Mac, a Mac-only accessory. It was not successful as a Mac-only accessory because the Mac market share was so small. The iPod didn't really become the iPod until it went Windows. That's, that's when, there you go. Very good. I had one of those too. Um, the um, the the iPod became successful. It gained a majority stake when it went Windows. This is similar to the Jewish Gentile thing. As a Jewish sect, it was a very minority uh, among the Jews, and. Uh, I think it would have probably died out um, as a Jewish sect. Paul saved it. <laughs> uh, there, I don't think that we would have. I don't. I think I don't think we'd be talking about Christianity at all had Paul not come along uh, and successfully sold it to the Gentiles. But to say that no, it was originally, uh, you know, it it spread wildly as this Jewish thing is simply not the case. Yes, it originated among a, a minority uh, group of Jews, but it didn't actually become a going concern until it uh, was picked up by the Gentiles. I'll let Caleb jump in here. Well, yeah, I, I, think, we're, I think we're definitely talking about different periods of history because I, I agree with you, but still that was christianity even when it was among the jews to say this isn't really christianity until it came to the gentiles as well uh, takes things i think too far to say i mean they believed the same I, things I, I, that I agree we see with paul you, teaching the gentiles but i don't think they i don't think it was the same so i do i do agree that i could take that point too far but it was it was a different religion of sorts and you can see that in the council of jerusalem in acts 15 uh, there were a lot of major disputes uh, between Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians, and in Paul's writings, he's constantly dealing with those differences. Um, and the the Jewish, the more Jewish Christians, ultimately lost because they're the, they've been the minority anyway. 
So yeah, originally it was a Jewish sect, but let's be clear, it was a very minority part of a Jewish sect. And um, it quickly outgrew its Jewish roots and it did become a different kind of animal when it became Gentile. So the Christianity today is no more that original Jewish sect than Judaism is uh, what it was when Moses instituted it. Yeah, you can also you can see that most uh, uh, most blatantly when you go look at all the other Christian sects that popped up around the same time. There's uh, I think there's like a half dozen that we know about and another half dozen that we suspect just from other writings. And some of them were completely different than uh, what we have right now. I mean, uh, some of, uh, I think one of them actually didn't even have Jesus ever coming down bodily. Um, all Everything in the uh, go gospels happened in some other plane of existence. So, I mean, it's not like they were even similar. They were very different in a lot of ways. So let's take a quick poll. Um, by the way, uh, very vigorous uh, <clears throat> excuse me, conversation. I didn't expect that particular line of conversation. I, I enjoyed that line of conversation. Uh, Caleb, I would like to hear from you more. You're a smart guy. Um, and your microphone is working well. So you should, <laughs> you should use it. Um, the, the straw poll uh, that I would like to take among the uh, three atheists on the panel, because I made some statements, Sarah joined in a minute ago, but I, I, wanna, I wanna make a clearer statement if I can. I have not rejected God from my perspective. Uh, Sarah, have you rejected God? Not, no, not at all. I've, when I wrote my story in the Still Unbelievable book, I've, I, I finished it with, you know, the doors open. If you're around, if you want to, if it's important to you to uh, connect, feel free. Darren, have so, you rejected God? Uh, which one? Uh, David Russell's God. Uh, which which one's his again? Dale's God. <laughs> well, Dale's God is logically impossible. Dale's God. So <laughs> I guess so, technically. Dale's God. No. I can tell Dale's you. Dale's God now, is a maths God. It's, it's just a math math teacher in disguise. I believe that. Matthew would say he has not rejected God. I know that Andrew, because I talk to Andrew about this sort of thing all the time, would say he has not rejected God. Um, Brian with a why. Um, why aren't you he here? Tried to, he, tried to, he tried to trip me up the other day, but I think that he would say that he has not rejected God. Uh, in fact, he was the one who answered yes, I would worship. Uh, so... Uh, I don't, I don't buy the accusation against most, obviously I haven't polled most atheists, skepticsandseekers.squarespace.com. Uh, go to the board, uh, skeptics, have you rejected God in, in your heart? Never mind anyone else's definition of that. Do you believe that you have rejected God? I want to know. Um, because if atheists are saying we haven't rejected God, but, but we simply don't worship. And of the God forms that we know about, we wouldn't be able to worship that kind of God form. I'm not sure what, I'm not sure how the Christian could be upset with that. 
Uh, I do you want us to comment on that? <laughs> well, uh, I, I sure. see a long pause. <laughs> sure. Caleb, um, do you have a response for that? I don't know if that was supposed to be responded to. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't know that I have a response to that. Okay. Well, it may not be what you expected us to say. Um, because what I am, so let me, let me just make it easier for you. I am an anti-theist. <laughs> I'm not just an atheist. Um, I don't argue as an anti-theist most of the time, but, uh, I'm, 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 I'm all the way dial cranked, uh, all the way to the edge. So not only am I not convinced that there's a God, which by the way, is what I mostly argue, but I don't actually believe that there is a God. Uh, in fact, I would positively uh, assert that I, I think there is no God. Um, I could be wrong about that, but that, that's, I, I, would, I would have a debate where I positively asserted that, and I would try to win. I'd probably lose, but I, I, you know, that's what I believe. And, as, and that's not just the extent of my anti-theism. Of the God forms that I know about, I don't like them. Uh, now, that said, I don't know how much you should read into that because I've talked to a lot of Christians, and you know what a lot of Christians say when they uh, hear me say that I don't, I don't like the God that I know about? After they know something about the God that I know about, they say, I don't like that God either. Um, so that's, that's, that shouldn't be such a, uh, a strange thing to your ear. I'm sure that there are some God forms that you Christians have heard that you wouldn't like very much. Uh, so I have simply not been presented with a God that I could worship. And, and so I don't, I don't feel like that means that I have rejected God. And if there is a God and he is very different from the way Christians have described him, uh, I'm, 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 open to getting to know the guy or, or gal or the it. Um, so I don't, I don't, I don't understand the, the knee jerk reaction, uh, that we get from some Christians when we say we, we wouldn't worship because that's a kind of a natural thing. Of course, we wouldn't worship some God that we think is evil. And of course we wouldn't worship some God that we don't know. And by definition, if a God showed up, he's clearly a God that we don't know. So maybe, maybe you can help me with this question then. And this, this goes back to our original question for this episode. So I'm something I didn't see in the blog that I, maybe you can put it together for me is I'm not seeing uh, much of a rational reason behind uh, not worshiping a God. So I'm seeing a, a lot of emotional region reason. Well, I don't know that God and I don't like that God, but I'm not seeing kind of the rational piece. Maybe you can help me understand that because I'm sure uh, you believe you have rational reasons for uh, not worshiping any deity, but help me with that. Okay, sure. I think the two reasons that you gave are rational. Uh, I think it would be, for instance, irrational to worship someone you don't like. Um, so that would that, in fact, I think it would be impossible. Um, and so that that is very rational. And I don't know him is also a rational reason because I, I you can't worship someone you don't know. You can't love someone you don't know. Um, 
so those uh just as a matter of um rationality it's it's an irrational statement to suggest that you could worship a god that you didn't like and or didn't know that said um you know other rational reasons uh why i wouldn't worship is i don't see i don't understand the point of worship so it's, it's not been expressed to me in any way that makes sense why i should worship now you can you can express to me in a way that makes sense why i should be grateful for a good deed because i'm grateful now to many people for good deeds uh the course of my life uh you know the the many good things that have happened in my life i can i can trace to individuals and i'm very grateful uh, to them for this day i don't worship them and so i think that you would have to maybe draw the the line and connect the dots for me and tell me why i should worship and give me some rational reason for that but i think that not worshiping is the default position that's the that's the null position and i'm i'm not entirely sure a what you know how do, how i get from gratitude to worship and b what the being i'm supposed to be worshiping gets out of it well gratitude it, it, is worship isn't it but i mean being well, grateful no, i'm is grateful, part, is I'm part grateful to it. you for being on the show but i assure you i'm not worshiping you that's a part of worship i'll take it um <laughs> it's, it's the utilitarian aspect of it again what does it serve what it seems like a non-value added activity most of the time and it's so repetitive if you just take the kind of praisey bit and adoration part of it um it's just it's really it's like we get it thanks for life <laughs> you know it's like i can't as i was saying yesterday i just can't muster the enthusiasm the whole time to get overly excited about all of it sure if had a gun to my head and somebody said this is it you'd really suddenly appreciate life a lot more but the day-to-day -day, just it, it, just to be constantly fawning over oh you're so big and you're so partly you're just you're just actually describing god isn't and it's his on, ontology and i don't know why you should worship something just for the characteristics it's got like you're so big and so everlasting and you are pure love and stuff like that because it's like well those are just the, the attributes you have. You didn't work for them. You didn't strive for them. They're just bestowed on you or you have them. And, and so I don't understand why we have to be that grateful. It's like when people, you don't constantly thank the parents for loving you. If you've got vaguely normal parents, we don't, we don't, we're not sitting like, oh, this is amazing. These parents love their children. This is so good. There's such gratitude for this. It's like, it's kind of a thing. If you make kids, you're going to like them. That's what you hope happens. And so it's the same with God. I never understood why we had to be so thankful to him. It's like, I didn't ask to be here. He's just popped us on this planet. And now I have to thank him constantly for this. It didn't make any sense. It didn't seem to add any value to anything or serve any purpose. And it didn't, I didn't gain anything from it. So after a while, as a human, you kind of are going to give up on the endeavor. I think that's the best speech of the day. Um, maybe, maybe the two of you, um, possibly three. Let's see who pops up. Uh, we got Brian. Hey, hey, okay. hey! You've you you've been invoked a few times on the show, uh, British Petroleum, um, in, a, in a in a good way or a bad way. <laughs> in the As way God. that As British Petroleum is invoked. Um, so, yeah, maybe it would be helpful if you Christians would tell us 
give us the rational reason to worship because uh, you know darren hasn't had a crack at this particular answer maybe brian be interesting to see what brian says cold having missed out uh on all the conversation but uh caleb was just asking me uh to provide rational reasons why i didn't worship he said he read my blog post and didn't see any rational reasons he did uh cite that i uh thought that um that god was you know maybe an evil god uh and or that um you know that that it was just emotional reasons and i was pointing out to caleb well no those are rational reasons you you simply cannot actually worship from the heart someone that you think is evil um and uh you, what was the other point uh that you had brought up caleb um yeah don't like and don't know were the two right you don't know you cannot about. worship someone you don't know uh not not from the heart you have to get to know them and so those are rational reasons and i was just explaining that you know not worshiping is really the null position and what what we lack are reasons to worship um and so i was i was hoping that the christians might be able to make a case for why we sh why we should worship uh and i think that sarah just made the best point of the day sorry you missed it uh go back and listen to the podcast it was fantastic um <laughs> But uh, before before giving it back to Caleb, uh, and um, I've, I've been really enjoying the conversation with these with these two, by the way, um, maybe Brian, you want to chime in with, do you have a rational reason uh, for not worshiping? Is it um, all emotional? Absolutely not, right? I mean... I why would I worship if I don't have to? Why would I worship if there's no value in doing it to me? Why would I worship if the, the, the being that I'm worshiping doesn't particularly care whether I worship or not? So you've got to actually give me the impetus for why I'm worshiping. I don't just default go around and start worshiping everything, right? So, you know, in the absence of an impetus, why would I worship? So until you come to the table with that, I'm just not worshiping, not because I'm refusing, not because I'm trying to be difficult, it's because I don't worship as a default. So come to me with the reasons to worship. I'll evaluate them and then I'll go forward. Darren, did you want to uh, respond to that before uh, Caleb uh, takes the mic? Yeah, I just don't see the point in worshiping something that doesn't exist. Um, until you can demonstrate that a God actually exists and arguing about which way the unicorn arm spirals uh, doesn't really matter because you haven't demonstrated the unicorn exists. So, so Caleb, maybe, um, maybe you could give us um, some some sense. I know that you've heard and probably delivered many sermons on worship and why we should worship. Actually, I have too. Um, so I I could put my Christian hat on. I this haven't done any. They hat. won't let me near a pulpit. So oh well, <laughs> uh, I think you'd enjoy it. Um, but. I, I want to know why you and, and Russell would argue positively that people should worship, because I think that the, the unified thing that we've got from the skeptics on the panel is we don't actually see the point of it. Even if God were real and did all the things that he did, that doesn't inspire worship per se. And I don't, I don't really understand moving from gratitude 
to lifelong worship. Okay. That, and that's fair. I think everybody's raised some very fair points and I, I can appreciate them each in terms of where you're coming from. For me, I think one way that is helpful of understanding this, and, and I want to be clear, this separates out um, some of the aspects we've talked about in terms of love and coming from the heart. I don't believe that is fully incorporated in this analogy I'm going to use. Um, but I still think it's a fair analogy in the sense of who God is. So from a uh, business perspective, if you will, uh, if someone is the boss and you blatantly ignore the orders that they give you, then you're not going to last very long at that job. Now, you've accepted the job. You're the one who's decided to work there. If you decide to ignore the boss, you, you ignore the boss and you're going to be fired for that. Uh, it seems to me irrational, at least as a Christian, to reject worship in any sense if, if it's a rejection of what the boss's plan is for the company. If this is the policy, if this is how things are supposed to be done, I can either quit or I can uh, follow and toe the line. Those are kind of my options here. Now, if I toe the line, I may be able to get to a point where I'm on board with this company's goals. Maybe I don't understand everything. Maybe I develop a relationship. Maybe I advance in the company, that sort of thing. And maybe that relationship does get closer and I become a part of of that work family, if you will. But for me to outright um, not follow the orders given, it doesn't seem like a rational choice. But what happens if you're in that company and you're working hard and you're doing all those things and you're praising the boss and and you're not progressing and you're, nothing's changing and you actually feel like you're teleworking at home um sorry that's the french word call it teletravail um you know remote working on your own at the end of the day and you actually invented this company and it's not really there and nothing's actually changed as a result of it then what that's where we're all at that's the problem right. that's why it, it gets that, you know, we've all done the worshipping and sat there and closed our eyes and tried to concentrate on God and told that we'll be communing with him. And he doesn't turn up. You do that week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out. After a few decades, you start getting a little bit, you know, a bit concerned that the others there, they're all in this state of ecstasy, um, that you're somehow missing it out, missing out. Uh, and that it's not making any any difference and it's it's totally non-value added activity and we are just human at the end of the day we aren't going to keep banging our heads against the wall when something doesn't yield any results that's as simple as that you have to give up at some point and that's what we did we didn't reject god we just like he's not there we've tried this this scenario and we're not the only ones and it's just it's a relief to find other people that are in that boat and you know you're not the only one that just wasn't getting any out anything out of it. I can't keep mustering up the enthusiasm to be grateful and amazed by God the whole time when essentially he's dislocated and, and nebulous sort of 
idea that you can't quite get to know anyway and seems full of contradictions and you know never mind the evidence and all that but it's just it's difficult to pin down there's nothing you're not really knowing in the person um or dealing with them or you're not i can definitely empathize with that and i think it goes back to the question of whether it's true or not and i can see you know it came to a different conclusion on that um but i think that's what it goes back to is whether or not it's true if it's true regardless of how it makes us feel it may be the right thing to do to stay in that job if it's not true then i completely agree and i understand that's the conclusion you've reached about it god is is um is a universalist god because that's how i would view it i don't think he's particularly bothered about worship and whether we're turning up every every week on a sunday and lip syncing or singing for real or whatever it is i don't it would be make him an absurd god because some of us come to that conclusion and just thought well okay feel free to come and knock on the door but i'm not seeing it and i've tried so you know uh I don't believe so. I don't believe in a in any sort of hell punishment because I think it would make it would make the god a monster and and absurd for people like ourselves that we tried. We did, you know. I had no reason to not believe it. Um, I was brought up in it. it. It was life. It was it was the way the world was. So there was nothing particularly to question. It's when you do question, you do look at the gospels and you do think mm, it's not that great. And mm, what the brother didn't believe him and all they they're all pretty pretty doubtful when he comes when he gets raised from the dead and all that kind of stuff and no he doesn't call himself god until much later gospels um you know mark doesn't mention him as any sort of deity and so i don't know i think it's it's rational to think it's probably not the case and then you do then you join that with lived experience and you sort of think yeah um i think i was talking to the wall which isn't very nice but you have to Suck it up, I guess. Yeah, lived experience definitely doesn't always help. Caleb, if I could, if I could jump back in, in your analogy, I don't see a corollary between me choosing of my own free will to join the company and what God in this life is like. I didn't opt into existence. He made me without my consent. Is there a way that I can opt out of this game? where I don't have to choose whether to worship or not? Can I opt out? Can I quit the company? How do I do that? Jonah tried and he got swallowed up by a whale. That was the problem. That's the thing. We don't even get to opt out of the game, as you say. It's like, it's, you don't even get that choice. You can't just say, look, I don't even know. And I just, whatever you want to play this fantasy game of heaven and hell and future lives and all the rest of it, can I just please opt out? Um, which is you don't even get that choice which is particularly pernicious when you're uh when you have hell and eternal torment for all eternity in the as part of the um results yeah. which is why that's the first thing to go when you first give it any thought at all it's just not anything that can be logically true it just can't be so once that's out of the picture it makes the whole jesus sacrifice a bit pointless Plus, there was never an Adam and Eve story anyway. So if you want to sort of pitch God as some sort of cosmic, the cosmic Christ inviting all of creation into some sort of communion, I can get behind that idea. 
but I'll leave the worshipping for the next life because I can't muster up the enthusiasm this time around. <laughs> so I, I was hoping do. that we could get some of Sarah's concern addressed here too. Uh, I also wanted to say, I thought it was a great point about lived experience. Uh, everyone except for the heathen Darren, our um, mm. lived experiences that of worshippers. And we, we were the people trying to reach God. We were calling out to God literally on, on at times on our knees. Uh, we were, um, we were doing that and we did not get whatever, whatever we thought was supposed to be satisfaction. We didn't get it. Um, and at some point, um, it does become reasonable to say this thing that I've been, I've been taught certain expectations. And then when those expectations aren't met, then, then I am justified in saying, well, maybe I was wrong and I need to need to do something uh, else. So uh, the, the other, the thing that I was hoping to get Christians to come in on uh, with Sarah's point is uh, what about the, this whole continual eternal, uh, keep worshiping thing. I mean, why isn't it a, you know, we throw God a big worship party and we do that one time and then we get on with our lives. Why do we have to keep doing it over and over and over again? And why would we want to keep doing it in heaven for eternity? Mm -hmm. um, that's, that, that, was, that was part of Sarah's concern. And my concern is why does God want it? Because the, if, once again, theologically speaking, this is not a God that is indifferent toward worship. He demands worship. And he made so I angels. I don't understand. That's, all, he, they, that's all they do, you know, the angels, why, from what I gather. Why can't there be a little bit more of a reasonable type of worship, what I call it, and why does God even want it? So those are, those are questions I want to put out there. I'll go ahead and mute myself again. So let me, let me throw this out there, and it's one of the reasons I use the work analogy is that I think to say that this kind of one definition of worship as being a constant kind of adoration, I, I think it's too narrow, especially when we look at a, a Christian view of the afterlife. It's one that includes work. Um, so I see worship as as a a job if you will not a bad job but a job in terms of the things that god has for me to do now or in the next life are are ones that are like a work activity work is good for people in most situations it's it's something that gives motivation and meaning and i think uh i relate worship a lot to work uh, I know that 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 would rub some Christians the wrong way because they see it as as work, but work is not a a bad thing in the way I'm discussing it here. It gives meaning and purpose, jobs to do that are in. We're given jobs to do that are under the authority and direction of this higher being. So, you know, that's one reason I use the boss analogy is if. You know, we are continuing to do things that are in line with expectations for how things are to run. That's part of, of what we're given. Being made in God's image, I think, is more of a job description 
in the sense of, of we've been given purpose than it is necessarily directly uh, related to, you know, anything physical about us. Does, does that kind of answer the question? So I hear what you're saying. You're saying it's kind of in the neck. I mean, it's particularly scary about the next life. It's going to be a job, that, but it's to it's for our benefit. So is it really for our benefit or is it because it needs, we need to bless God with it? I've never understood what is the point of this worship because we'll get there and surely we'll see that God doesn't need this worship. I mean, does he, does he have to suck the worship up to keep going? I mean, what, what he doesn't need it. So why are we doing this work? We wouldn't feel very uh, fulfilled by it because there's no purpose to it. Secondly, that's what, you know, a third of the angels in heaven would disagree with you. They didn't find it particularly uh, fulfilling as a thing to do. They, they went off with the other guy, if you believe that, that story. Um, that's a bit of a concern to me. <laughs> I was the believer and was when I was one. They're just like, I, I knew heaven was going to be boring, full of songs, lots of singing. Really not, not very appealing. So I don't know how that well how your analogy works with that it's obviously not that great a work to be done if a third disappear off at the slightest sniff of a re re rebellion yeah i mean i think i think that's a fair criticism i want to give anybody else a chance to jump in here though well i'll, I'll go ahead um here let me give you my camera all right um I, I find the work analogy a little disturbing, actually. Um, I've heard this sort of analogy before, though. So, I'm, you know, you're not inventing something particularly monstrous uh, here, Caleb. But I, I always found that one to be pretty disturbing uh, for some of the reasons that Sarah mentioned. Uh, you know, I work right now. Um, but um, as the song, it, um, the Big Rock Candy Mountain, is a line in there about hanging the jerk who invented work. Um, I, I agree with that. <laughs> um, work, uh, the kind of work that we do, that we think of as work was a punishment <laughs> in, the, in the myth. Uh, it wasn't a good thing. <laughs> it was a... It was a it was a terrible thing. Um, so before the sin, the things that humans had to do wasn't really much of what you would call work. Um, you know, and if what you mean by work is things that we want to do anyway that fulfill us, great. I would I would put that as some category other than work. But if you if you're thinking in terms of punching a clock and this is your labor and God is your supervisor and your work, your job is to praise God. <laughs> That, that kind of takes away from the aspect of it being genuine praise and worship because this is my job. <laughs> um, so I just, I, I have, I have trouble wrapping my head around uh, e eternal worship as a job. I think I would, I would rather be handed a sword and told your job is to fight demons for all eternity. <laughs> And I'm not a I'm not a soldier. <laughs> I'm not a fighter. I'm a podcaster, not a fighter. I would take up the sword <laughs> if I if I had a choice. Because the work that you're telling me that I'm 
supposed to be doing all for all eternity makes me not want to go there. Darren would have just thought he's woken up in one of his actual computer games if he did that. Well, yeah, but I'm not sure that I would enjoy the whole fighting thing. Now, if I was playing a video game about fighting demons and God was cool with that being work, that'd be more my style. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm thinking that you couldn't die. So it would be like a video game. Right, I mean, but how much pain is involved as you get stabbed and chopped up and beheaded and drawn and quartered and burnt? Because my games include uh, spells that burn. Yeah, but D Darren, think of the songs that would be sang in your honor. <laughs> I can make <laughs> by those the, without by the having people to actually who are fight. working as songwriters. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I look. I'm making light of uh, this, Caleb. But do you do you kind of see um, where that? I where did Brian go? For Pete's sake, um, he left. So do you, do you see that objection at all, Caleb? Or does that does that ring hollow for you? No, I, I, I hear what you're saying, and I, I definitely think all these criticisms are are fair. Um, I'm not, not saying they aren't fair at all. I think there's another way to look at work, too, though, that is both, um, and maybe this is because I'm too sucked into the, the work uh, government system, all that good stuff. But, uh, you know, I see that there are ways to work that are both fulfilling for me as well as fulfilling both a greater purpose and a purpose to the people I serve more importantly. So uh, my public service to people, even though I'm receiving a reward in return, um, you know, it is certainly something that I can find great joy in. So I, I see where you're coming from. Uh, but again, I, I think it's, it's bringing in this other aspect of worship, which is that love and heart piece that, it, like I said, it's important, but I don't think it gives us the full picture. And, and I'll be honest, I've taken jobs where my heart's not in it until, you know, a year and a half later, um, or, or maybe it's never in it at all. And that's, that's happened too. But I think there is a way that a balance could be struck with this. Right. But in heaven, will anyone ever really need to be helped? And if they do, can't God just snap his fingers and help them? I mean, doesn't that make your efforts pretty much pointless, sort of like digging a hole and filling it back in? Well, assuming that the Christian God is real, is, is that how he handles things here on earth? Right. But it does but that still reflects here on earth. I mean, given that God could just snap his fingers and make it better, isn't your work just pretty much digging a hole and filling it in? But that and then people are suffering because he refuses to act? That doesn't appear to be the way that if he exists, that he actually answers things. He uses people. He uses circumstances to... Uh, no, I, I understand that point. I'm just pointing out that that's actually the problem. Right, right. I, I don't agree that I agree that there's a, a problem there that that's that's possible. Uh, but I'm not sure that it's one that I can I can relate to. All right. Well, okay. So what let me help of... you relate the homeless person that you pass on the way to work. 
uh, I know that you have the heart of a person who wants to help. It, it probably breaks your heart if you're not just annoyed like it, like me. Because if you live in New York or you work in New York, um, every time you come out of Penn Station, you know, you got to step over, literally step over uh, the beggars. Uh, I'm not inclined at all <laughs> to give any money to any of them. But um, outside of that situation, your heart probably breaks that you can't do something meaningful to um, affect those lives. But your God could. But your God wants you to figure it out. And you, you don't even know the right answer as to what to do. Should you give them the $3 you got in your pocket? Should you go to the cash machine and give them $300? Should you take them into your home? Should you give them a phone number to a carriage? You don't even know what to do. But he just wants you to do something when he could do something. And that, that gets to what Darren was saying. That feels a lot like digging a hole and filling in um, the dirt just just to give you something to do. That's and what's, ultimately kind of meaningless. And what's worse is the person is actually homeless just to give you make work. So what if you were the homeless guy and you were the example God was using for other people? I mean, how crappy is that? <laughs> Right. No, I, I I see where you're coming from there. I think there's also a place, though, where when I delegate things to employees, uh, I delegate things that oftentimes would be very easy for me to do and, and not take very long, but I want them to be a part of that work with me. I want them to have a chance to develop skills, and learn, and grow in some way. So I delegate those things, even though uh, I could instantly take care of it. I would rather uh, help that person with personal growth and be involved in their life in that way. Except rather you can't, than you, except you can't take care of it because if you took care of everything, you're you literally don't have the, enough time in the day to take care of everything. So you actually need these people to do that. You have a need. God doesn't actually have that need. Okay, that's fair. And I, I would I would also ask as we wrap this up to maybe if you could address the other kind of elephant in the room that we that we uh, skeptics have all kind of expressed um, a concern about um, even those of us who were Christians which is what does God get out of worship why does you know it's it's the James T Kirk Star Trek 5 uh, question why does God need a starship uh, why does why does God need a worshiper uh, we are clearly lesser beings. So, for instance, how how important would an earthworm's worship for you be? <laughs> it, just, it just wouldn't be important. And so it's not like God created equals and they worship. We're lesser beings. What does he get out of it? None of us uh, are able to express in any way that makes sense what we think God gets out of it and why he wants us to worship. And maybe you guys can address that um, for us. Why he doesn't already have, why he doesn't already have enough of it with all the creatures he created to do only that job in heaven or the angels. And he just has them worship him all the time. Um, that's just a bit weird. I mean, why? Yeah, there's the six cherubim, the, the um, there's this image in revelation where there are two uh, that are, around him uh and all they do is say uh you are holy 
holy art, art thou, that sort of thing. It's that's their whole job. Um, <laughs> no, non-value-added job. My, right. Uh, my so answer is very why? short. Uh, my answer is very short. I don't think God needs any of it. Uh, I think God is completely self-sustained. I think that most likely uh, we probably get far more out of it than he does. I don't think he needs anything from us. And that includes worship. He is a, a self-sustaining being. So I suspect in his grand purposes that it is something that is much more of a benefit to us than providing any kind of superficial benefit to him because he has no need for it. And we so request a... Uh, that we worship him because he loves us, but you also haven't provided us with any reason why it's good for us. And that's... Well, and if it is uh, for our benefits, can we ask for a different benefit? Because I'd much rather take, you know, eradication of all diseases, perhaps getting rid of natural disasters, um, you know, things like that over, you know, whatever help people get from worship. I mean, it's interesting because I think that is is ultimately what comes out of it. No, telling someone someone's great doesn't cure disease. Yeah. Right. I, I think we're talking about the difference between uh, immediate actions and consequences and the ultimate uh, view of, of the Christian uh, view that ultimately the problem of evil is solved. No, it's not solved. Yeah. I mean, if, the, <laughs> if, if what you're saying, I mean, it, just try draw a, a line for me between these two things. Go to church every Sunday and sing how great thou art. Um, and we're literally telling Jesus, you're, you're great. Uh, draw a line between that and um, disease being cured. If if the line you draw is because we're focused, we're constantly reinforcing to ourselves that God is good, that we will then do more good, and that more good will be done, then we didn't actually need God for that at all, because ultimately we're the ones doing the good, uh, and we could we could be motivated by something else. So I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm missing the connection between us on our knees and good things happening in the world. Well, it's back to that priority thing, isn't it? If you prioritize God, i.e. worship, that's my definition of it, then you would uh, uh, take on some of the, well, yeah, he uses you, you as his hands and feet as, the way the, the the saying goes. So yeah, we could, would we could cut out the middleman, though, Sarah. If we just prioritized uh, ending world hunger. Uh, well, that's and, why I think loving and, and, loving kindness works. That's why right, but we don't act. have to spend a second on our knees to prioritize. No, I don't world think you hunger. do. Right, right. But loving and kindness yeah. comes from brain chemistry, not from a god. So we don't actually need the worship of a god to get loving and kindness. No, exactly. I don't. But I think I. That's what the functional God that Jordan Peterson talks about is the only one I can sort of get my, an idea behind, so, but he's not a real God as such. Let's, let's wrap our minds around some closing comments. Uh, Russell, um, we'll, we'll get uh, you Christians in there last so that you have a little bit more time to think about what 
you want to say and to be fair to Sarah and to Darren I will go first um, so that by the time Caleb finishes it off everyone will have forgotten what I said anyway um, so uh, the order will be uh, me uh, Sarah Darren David Caleb and um, take as much time as you need to close um, this is a time when you get to bloviate uh, uninterrupted. <laughs> and so, um, also, uh, those who follow, uh, a person closing, uh, don't, don't use your closing comment to uh, try to dispute what the other person said. These aren't, these are not really arguments. Um, these are, these are your closing thoughts. So, uh, as you put those together, uh, I want to start by saying, uh, I appreciate the discussion. Uh, I, uh, I do appreciate the discussion. It's not apparent uh, when we're when we're on the show and uh, <laughs> we're uh, in the middle of a melee. Um, but first of all, it's just it's just fun uh, at a visceral level. But second of all, it's um, it's very thought provoking, um, and I appreciate uh, the people who participate. Um, in the in the arena it's sport but it's more than sport and um i certainly get a lot out of it and so i i uh, want to thank um russell for uh showing up today and uh glad that you were able to come didn't have a work emergency or anything like that and uh, thanks for bringing caleb along as i've been wanting to have uh, more conversation with caleb anyway and um caleb i hope you'll uh, come back to the show uh so uh that i mean uh, quite genuinely so uh, worship. Why, why isn't it for me? Um, well, I don't know that I have much more to say on it. I, it's, we have to do this hypothetical of if God showed up in a way that convinced us because it hasn't happened in reality. Uh, so I hate the fact that we have to have this conversation this way. I would much rather have a conversation about why I reject God or don't reject God uh, after he has shown up. I know who he is. He's made his offer. Uh, he's offered his terms. I think we could still have that conversation. After all, the devils believe and tremble. But they also have chosen to reject God. They are beings that have honestly rejected God. Uh, that would be an interesting conversation. But we have to do this hypothetically because we have not been presented with a God in a way that convinces us. Now, I know Christians are saying, well, you know, it's God has presented himself in a way that um, you should have been able to get, get your mind around. That was uh, pretty much Russell's argument last week uh, when we talked about the hiddenness of God. Um, you know, if if you don't see God, that must be on you, because uh, God has showed Himself sufficiently. But I, I can tell you, the, the inner workings of my own heart wasn't sufficient for me. Um, it, it may have been sufficient for Russell. Maybe God likes Russell better, um, and he he made sure he showed up in a way that Russell wouldn't have any serious doubts. But he didn't do that for me. He he left me guessing. He left me drowning in doubt. 
so it wasn't, um, I don't get a chance, in fact, to say why I have rejected God. I have never rejected God. I reached out to God for the vast majority of my life. And um, I feel like God has rejected me. If, if there is a God, he rejected me. He made it very clear that my life and time was wasted reaching out to him. For whatever reason, I was not made to be one of those uh, jars of honor, but uh, a chamber pot. Um, that's how he made me. That's how it's going to be. Okay, fine. I accept that. But I'm not the one who rejected God here. Um, you, you would be shocked and appalled, maybe even embarrassed by some of the things that I've done in my life to, to reach out to this God. So I, I, don't, I don't accept in any way the criticism that I'm rejecting God. That's bullshit. It's insulting. And you don't know what you're talking about. So we do, in fact, have to have this conversation this way as a hypothetical. Because we didn't get knocked on our ass when we were on our way to Damascus. We weren't good enough. We weren't important enough to God. The people that were important enough to God, God showed up for. He didn't give a damn whether we uh, follow him or not. Because we know what God does for people that he gives a damn about. At least according to the story, if you want to buy it. And we're told by uh, the Christians that, you know, we have to assume that the story is real. Okay, great. Then he didn't give a damn about us because we know what it looks like when he cares to show up. This is a God who knows how to show up. So, so here we are. And I am left to answer hypothetically whether I would worship a God who showed up. And in my mind, I think the question is tainted because I can only picture this God who chose not to show up. And you're still asking me if I would worship him. Hell no. Sarah. Wow, I'm going to have to follow that. Okay. Um, I think from what we've our discussion, I think it's fair to say that worship is a word that's a little bit difficult to um, define always and it means different things to different people and I, I do think some of the definition is important it isn't just what what we understood it to be uh, I think when we picture worship we mean the kind of adoration singing praises type thing but um, I think uh, it could mean more to do with prioritizing God in your life um, when you ask Christians why they, they sort of flip-flop between God doesn't need it but then he's worthy so it means that you should um, and that you know uh it sort of seems to bless god there's something in the bible about our praises uh god uh becomes enthroned on our praises that that kind of thing so it seems to serve a purpose but i don't even know what that really concretely means it doesn't it's, they're all very very vague notions um 
And ultimately, it's a bit like, well, he's worthy and you're a stinking wretch. So please get on your knees um, and, and praise him. That's what you are made to do. Um, I do have time for worship in the sense of right priority of practicing gratitude, um, because we know uh, from studies that a practice of gratitude is one way to happiness. So I think I can get behind that idea or mindfulness and being still, like Caleb said at times. Oh, I think David Russell said about being quiet at times and thinking um, and taking the focus off ourselves. I could see it has a use for building community, bringing people into unity. But I think these are all human concepts and constructs. Um, and I think it. As ever, it, it overpromised. It said that, you know, when you worship, you draw close to God. He'd be there with you. You could commune with him. He would transform you. And I just didn't find any of that to, to be the case. So at the end of the day, if it's no bother to him because he doesn't need it, I'm going to step out and, and not do this non-value-added activity for much longer. <laughs> and that's what I did. And it didn't seem to have too much of a negative impact so far. That's me. I think for me, the, the biggest problem with um, this idea of worship is that before you can even get to the idea of the determination of whether you'll worship someone or something, you first have to actually demonstrate that they exist. I mean, we sort of assume they exist for, that God existed for this conversation. And as David pointed out, that's kind of a problem because we had to assume that he exists. We didn't actually know that he exists. He, uh, we couldn't point to specific attributes that the God actually had. We were just sort of assuming he had specific attributes. And so as much as I enjoyed this conversation and I enjoyed talking with uh, David Russell and Caleb, um, it was mostly just fan fiction, um, seeing what we would do in some alternative reality. Um, and I think partly for me, the biggest problem is that I've seen a lot of other religions. Um, it seems like I've read hundreds of different religious texts, although I'm guessing it's probably hasn't been that much. Um, but they all have stories of people coming, being born of the gods or uh, being incarnations of the gods, of doing miracle worker uh, miracles, of doing heroic deeds, um, bringing uh, knowledge or uh, uh, some other thing of value to uh, their people, protecting them, and um, and some even have more evidence to support their stories than Christianity does. Um, I'm thinking of the Egyptian religion in particular. I mean, they actually have mummies of the people that the stories say talk to the gods directly. Uh, Christianity doesn't even have that. Um, so when um, we're talking about worship, we first have to demonstrate that the unicorn actually exists. And then we have to determine what this unicorn actually is? What is its attributes? How does it act? What does it do? Uh, and if this world is an accurate representation of what the this God does, i.e. nothing, uh, when disease or uh, 
um, or natural disasters or rape or anything else happens, then I think that says a lot about the personality of this, this being. Uh, and I don't know how you can worship someone that obviously just doesn't care about humanity. Um, I mean, people can say whatever they want. The, the holy books can say that he loves us, but when it actually comes to actions, when it comes to the real world and real people hurting and suffering and dying, he does nothing. He just sits back and watches. And you can, and you can say that, well, God must have his reasons, but the only reasons I can think of doing that are horrible reasons. So sure, he may have his own reasons, but that itself reflects on his personality, his character. And I don't just don't know how you could worship a being like that. And any being that's not watching, who's maybe a, like a deist god, uh, who just set things in motion and moved on, well, he doesn't really care about it have, being worshipped. Uh, he doesn't even, he may not even know that we exist. So worshipping him would be pointless. And uh, so that's where I'm left at. I guess it's me now, huh? You letting Caleb finish? All right. Well, you know, I've, I've heard a lot today. And although I, I really sympathize with my skeptic friends here, I uh, obviously leave without too much of uh, agreement here. Um, we disagree on, on a lot of things. I think Sarah hit the nail on the head when it came to examining the many different aspects of worship and i think there is many aspects to worship um yes i think david said it right where there has to be a heart element involved with it uh i heard a lot of uh objections but i think they assume too little about humanity and too much about god you know i don't think i, I think we assume because a lot of this discussion it comes down to the hiddenness of God. I think David kind of geared it that way, that it was a piggyback off the hiddenness of God. And, and for one, I just think one, I think we, it's built off of too many assumptions about God. And I think we do need to break down the character of God and we need to have answers and we need to seek answers. I think that's part of worship as well as seeking answers and seeking being, being, you know, beings of discovery, you know, I think that is also a, uh, an act of worship. Um, I didn't get to much to speak on this because, uh, it was at towards the end and Caleb was doing his thing. You guys can hear me. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. All right. Good, good. So, yeah, I was gonna say, I mean, when they're talking about the afterlife and so forth, you know, I just, you know, I didn't, I didn't get to, I caught, I guess the tail end of it. And I, I don't know what the afterlife is going to be. You know, I don't know what it's going to be like. Uh, I would assume that we still go through some sort of sanctification and, and, and grow closer to God as, as we go. But we also do the things that we do in this life that we love, such as gardening or uh, discovering God in, an, in a new level of academia. I don't know. And, I, and all doing that as an act of worship would seem to me would be. Um, but again, one has to assume – that God is doing nothing. Darren was right when he said that we have to prove the existence of God first and, and stuff like that. I think that, you know, 
a lot of the times we want God to reveal himself the way we want him to reveal himself. And I think that's not what God wants. I don't think we can manipulate an omniscient being. And if we could, he wouldn't be an omniscient being. He wouldn't be an omnipotent being. He wouldn't be the, the triomnies, okay? So I, I don't think that's what uh, we would like, even if we could get those desires fulfilled. I think we would actually find another way to complain. Uh, there's a lot of studies that humans believe what they want to believe regardless of the evidence. I've got three articles that I'm going to list in uh, um, scientific studies that I'm going to list in uh, Skeptic Seeker's blog. So you can follow that for more. And I'm going to give you a, uh, a blog in response to David's Hiddenness article that you can look more into. Um, but basically, I don't think proper – our propositional knowledge of God is what he's, his goal is. I think it's filial knowledge. I think he wants us to have a cognitively robust theism. So that's where I'll leave it today, and I'll hand it over to Caleb. All right. So um, <clears throat> regardless of, of what's been said here today, I, I have a strong belief that we are all worshipers in some sense. And this comes largely down to how you define worship and, and what we're talking about there. And I think there are multiple levels of worship, adoration, uh, you know, modeling our lives after someone. And I think that if there is a supreme being that exists, uh, regardless of who that being is, then they are the ultimate being in existence, and they sh we should follow, worship, and mold our being after them. We have no greater uh, goal we could seek to achieve if this is the most supreme being in existence, and if they're not the most supreme being in existence, then they're not God. So I think worship is a part of us all, and it's where we set that standard of our highest level of worship. Do we put it on family? Do we put it on money? Do we put it on friends? Do we put it on uh, the most meaningless pleasures in life? That's, that's a choice we get to make. And I think Christianity offers a solution to that where we do see the supreme being, not only that, but he's one that has humbled himself to come to earth. And Jesus was offered as a sacrifice to uh, ultimately pay the price and give us a, a humanly example to look to uh, this being, to see what he is like. And so, I'm not going to convince everybody I empathize with all the points raised here today. I certainly understand and, and would love to get to understand even more because I still fail to see uh, it being a rational argument against worship of a supreme being. Um, so, you know, I'd love to explore that more as, as the weeks go on because I, I do want to understand that perspective. Uh, but the arguments still fall and, and seem to be largely emotional in terms of rejecting due to uh, not knowing or not uh, liking this being, uh, regardless of, of what that ultimate being is like. So 
Uh, I can certainly empathize with things, but I, I don't see that that we have a better answer for the fact that ultimately, if there's a supreme being, this is what we should direct our lives towards in terms of, of personal growth. To, to do anything less would be to set uh, stagnant. And, and I don't believe that there's anybody who uh, in a right mental state wants to set in a stagnant spot within life. I think they want to direct themselves to doing more and being better. And ultimately, uh, this being is the model for that. Um, yeah, a little convoluted, but that's what I got. Thank you very much. Um, you really should uh, reconsider the pulpit. You've, you've got you've got a good voice for it. You've got the right um, patter, as as they would call it. You've got the right look for it. Uh, you're you're the you've you've got a thing that people would listen to. Um, you should look into that. Um, Thanks, I appreciate that. Yeah, uh, and trust me, I've listened to hundreds of preachers, most of them very bad, very bad. I would, I would listen to you. Um, so, folks, that's uh, that's it. Uh, Teddy has been um, back back channeling me during this podcast, trying to lobby for a for an additional one on one. Uh, talk between uh me and her because she is convinced that the christians on this show will not grill me properly <laughs> so uh she is she is convinced that a more proper grilling is necessary <laughs> so i'll be the moderator for that <laughs> i bet you would um that show is probably not going to happen that said um uh, I, I don't mind doing uh shows with teddy um it's going to tie her down uh, to actually do a show uh, that's actually harder than getting her to, um, than, than, you, than you might think. So yeah, she, plenty, of, plenty of shows that she'd like to do in the moment. Um, if that show doesn't happen, it's probably not because of me, uh, audience. But just know that there is lobbying in the background for more of this conversation. Um, if you would like to hear more of this conversation, and if you would like to see me get a proper grilling, <laughs> you can say so in the comments, sketchingseekers.squarespace.com. Uh, uh, Caleb, uh, where can people find your work? Yeah, so uh, I help co-host a couple of shows. So first place they can go is Question Christianity on youtube uh, we have discussions over there and welcome anybody to come be a part of these uh, also over on the mentionables on youtube uh, can find me there and uh russell uh, where else can you found be found besides uh skeptics and seekers proselytize or apostatize we actually have a debate live tonight so i will be discussing is easter pagan because last week I had this wonderful discussion and my mic was muted the entire time. So, <laughs> well, well, the software actually just didn't recognize it. But yeah, we're going to redo it and it's going to be an awesome conversation. So join us tonight at around seven. Okay. Uh, I know that Darren is doing gaming things. In fact, he's probably playing a game right now. Uh, this is 
actually a uh, digital image of Sarah. She's on the Alps skiing right now. Um, that's where you can find them. Good luck. Um, I am just at Skeptics and Seekers these days, although Sarah did um, mention in an email that there's uh, some interesting things going on on uh, the Unbelievable podcast. Just uh, give them a shout out. There's still some uh, good conversation that goes on there. So even if you don't listen to the show, uh, premieres uh, Unbelievable, you know, they still have an audience and a um, discussion board. And you can say that this show, uh, Skeptics and Seekers in the blog, was born from the discussion board of that show. Uh, and so if you if you want to see what gave us birth, uh, check out uh, check out Unbelievable. They're, they may be uh, a shadow of their former self, but I think there's still uh, good conversation to be had. And uh, I would like to see that uh, continue uh, next week. Next week, there's a reason why I have not talked about uh, what's coming up next week, because I have no idea no idea um but we'll figure out uh before next week is over so till then uh thanks uh very much and uh we'll see you next time can you feel